to another episode of the Rental Journal Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the equipment rental industry. I'm your host, Mark Simonson, and today's podcast episode is sponsored by Record360. Record360 is the leading provider of inspection management software for the equipment rental industry. Record360 is trusted by thousands of rental businesses to provide quick, clear documentation of assets before and after rent. There's a transformation occurring in rental inspections. The old way of doing things included pen and paper, carbon copies, digital cameras, and hunting down information when you needed it. Today, modern inspections look very different. They're cloud-based, mobile, and records are easily searchable. Find out how Record360 can help you increase your damage collection percentage and eliminate disputes at record360.com. Today's guest is Luke Habzar. Now, Luke caught my attention for three different reasons. The first reason is that he's worked for a single company, which is called Equipment Corps out of Canada, for almost 19 years. The second reason is Luke has actually worked in various departments over those 19 years. So he's worked in customer service. He's worked in the service department, actually being a service technician on the road. And now he's in sales with a role of the National Sales and Business Development Manager. So I'm interested in learning about how he transitions between those different roles because it's something that is quite challenging. Going from service to sales or from sales to service is not easy. And the third reason is I'm interested in learning more about the actual Equipment Corp's products that they rent because everything seems to be based around solution rental and it's very technical, almost engineered every single rental. So Luke, thank you for coming on the Rental Journal podcast. To kick things off, can you talk to me about how you first got involved in the equipment rental industry? Yeah, so, you know what, uh, first of all, thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure. Uh, but, it, you know, it started about 18 years ago. Actually, it'll be about 19 years next month. And, you know, I was 18 years old. I was looking to somewhat apply myself in the, you know, in the, in the world. I had sort of taken a, a step back from college after, um, you know, trying some things and not really knowing which direction I wanted to go in life. So, um, you know, but I was living at home with my parents. So there was a little bit of pressure there to say, hey, get out and do something. Like you can't just be uh, lounging around. So I had, um, you know, picked up the phone, called, a, was looking around, called Equipment Corps. And at the time, you know, spoke with our general manager, Mike uh, Orzel, who's now our current VP. Um, so he's been here just about as long as I have. And, you know, just basically asked him straight out, you know, do you have any, um, positions available is there any anything I can do for you guys and they just you know they decided to take a chance on me right and then they brought me in it was not say the most glamorous role right my job was a general laborer so I was sweeping floors organizing shelves pressure washing equipment you know just the the things that they didn't necessarily have time to do on their day-to-day like operations with the current employees they had so you know, I didn't really know what to expect, but I seemed to sort of, you know, enjoy it at the time. I know there's, um, there's some moments there where you're saying to yourself, you know, do I really want to be here? And, you know, again, like being 18 and thinking the world owes you something potentially, or again, I was still trying to find my way. The, you know, the, the validation when I received that first paycheck, you know, that hard work does pay off it really sort of, you know, sunk in at that moment. Right. So then, um, 
yeah, I'm still going, I'm still here today and going strong. And so when you made that phone call, were you aware of what the company did? Like what made you call them? Yeah. So the actually Mike, like, so there's a little bit of a family dynamic here, right? So Mike, uh, Mike Orzel uh, would be my, my uncle, right? So at the time he had transitioned into the role from um, a previous company as well. And my, in fact, my, I think my, yeah, my mom actually had worked with him at that company. So she sort of knew that, you know, Hey, he's going over here. And again, what, maybe reach out to him. Maybe he can help you. Right. But um, there wasn't any sort of help on my parents' side to say, Hey, look at, you got it. If you want to get it, go get it yourself. Right. Pick up the phone and give him a call. And you know, our, our owner, Tim, Tim Bedard, I mean, this, this guy is a, he's a unique individual, but I mean, for a guy just to sort of say, yeah, bring him in and know what, let's give him a shot. Uh, it, it's really sort of reared its head now, long-term thing like, wow, you know what, who, who would have, like, honestly, who would have thought that um, just bringing a, bringing a kid in at the age of 18 to do GL work would sort of get to, you know, the outside sales and business development role within the company. Right. So um, that's, that's essentially sort of why I picked up the phone. There was a little bit of direction, um, just on the family side. Mm, that's, it's, it's almost like a testament to explain to companies. Sometimes it is important to take a risk on someone that's coming off the street and just give them that chance because obviously you valued that decision a lot. You've been there for coming up to 19 years and that, that, that's something that obviously meant a lot to you. And, and look where you are today. So I think a lot of people underestimate what hard work um, will come from if someone you've just given a chance. You no, know, and absolutely. And then, and, you know, with that hard work, right. And not saying I'm, I'm, you know, I was always the model employee, right. There was some, some times where there was there to be some direction or, you know, um, let's say support, right. We'll use support as uh, that word, but it, yeah, it, I mean, put your head down and, you know, everything hard, yeah, hard, hard work pays off. It, it really is a true statement. Mm. And so, so before we get into some of the roles that you had in the company, do you just want to explain to the audience, what are the products and services that Equipment Core rent and sell? No, absolutely. So we are, we are somewhat niche, right? Um, in the products and services are that we do offer, right? Uh, the, we're, we're heavy in, in, sorry, our strengths would be on the material handling side, uh, hydraulic cylinders, below the hook components, load monitoring, uh, load testing, right? And then sort of a generic or encompass multi-trade tools and equipment, allotment of um, equi- like allotment, right? Uh, and then most recently the, the skidding systems, right? That would be our, um, we sort of partnered with them pre-COVID, it was, uh, it was the end of November, we had some open house stuff booked for March and we were planning the, you know, the sort of rollout and then COVID hit. So um, yeah, this, the Hydroslide skidding systems is sort of our newest addition uh, to, to the offering that we have, right? Um, some of the highlights though, like giving, when I say it's specialized or niche is we don't do aerial equipment. We don't do like earth moving equipment, excavation, that type of thing. We are, you know, sort of our strengths are on the material handling side. So we've got, you know, hoisting, hoisting up to 50 ton, winches up to 28 ton, hydraulic cylinders up to a thousand ton, right? And it, it, uh, it's just very large capacity, 
but also with that volume of equipment, right? We don't have one or two. We'll have, you know, we're going to have 10, 20, right? We just, we actually just recently added 44, 573 ton hydraulic cylinders, right? So it's over 25,000 ton worth of hydraulics, right? Just in, in one shot. And, you know, things are, things are getting bigger and more sort of, you know, heavier, modular in design. So a lot of the, the products that we have are in that higher capacity as we just see the, the trend in the industrial um, material handling sector. It's, it seems to be the higher tonnage, more of it. Um, yeah, not, um, I could probably, I could, I could go on and on, right? Really, like there's a, there's, there's a lot of stuff here right um but you know some a lot of our success too is like we've 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 somewhat pioneered the certification and load testing verification on material handling products like our hoisting winches and hydraulics and even now our our load cells right where the we basically the canadian warranty um test facility for the crosby straight point product right so we can we can do recertify to manufacture spec on the, the load cells on compression load shackles and whatnot, but now on all the hoisting and winching we we basically will give this hoist simulate that this hoist is being utilized in in the field um, they're tested dynamically and then we can basically run it through its paces from what it's actually going to see in the field not just you know a visual inspection with a green tag and say here you go right. So the, you know, the tools and equipment we have and like anything that we rent, we also sell, right? But on the sales side, it's a little bit bigger because we're not necessarily restricted to what our inventory would tell us that we can do, right? So we would then rely on the manufacturers that we're working with, which I mean, are all like all amazing, amazing um, manufacturers, right? High, I'd say a higher end product, but um you know, coming with that, the, the rental side has allowed us to sort of achieve which vendors we utilize for which product lines, because we've, you know, through failure, we've learned that maybe that's not the best product for that, right? And because we ship um, all over Canada and even into the U.S. and in some instances, when the equipment's going that far, it has to work, right? You don't want it to arrive on site. Um, and then there's issues with it where, oh, you know, it, it's, it's, it's leaking air, it's leaking hydraulic oil, it's doing this. So we basically run it, the equipment right through its paces. So then when the customers come here, the only worry that they need to know is when is it going to be on site, right? And other than that, they can, it's, you know, it's, we're, we're so confident in our, our model and how we, and how we go to market now. It's, it's a really good feeling when customers are calling all the time, right? And we've been pretty fortunate even through this past year to just sort of keep keep plowing ahead and um, you know staying staying as busy as possible, right? In in the given circumstances, so we're you know we're we've got a branch out in Newfoundland. We've that's um, you know two years old now, and the the staff out there is amazing, right? They're looking after all, a lot of the offshore oil and gas. Um, you know, on the on maintenance and, and new new turnarounds, things like that. And, you know, I think we're, we're probably posed to maybe, you know, go to the western side of Canada at some point. Um, not too sure when that will be, but I can't imagine us not getting out there at some point. Mm. 
And so is there also like maintenance contracts with some of some of the stuff you sell as well, or is it purely just sales and rental? No, it's, it's, it's typically just sales and rental. What we'll do though is uh, on the service side, um, because our certification and testing process is so, um, so stringent um, to the manufacturer's specifications, we actually do get a lot of contractor base um, bringing their material handling to us for low test verification, low test certification, repairs, that type of thing. It's not on necessarily contracted like obligation. It's more or less just, it's a, hey, look at, I've got, you know, 50 of these that just came back off a job. Can you guys go through them and, and sort that out, right? Um, I guess, too, I should, should probably mention, too, that we do, we do like to utilize a lot of other rental houses, right? We sort of treat them as an extended branch, essentially, right, uh, from us. So, um, you know, for all the rental houses out there that are maybe looking to get into some of these little, um, you know, these other markets that they may not have, say, let's say the pockets for, or don't have, but let's face it, who's going to have, you know, 50, 10 ton manual chain falls ready to go on the shelf, right? Um, there's not too many people, if any, in Canada, but, you know, typically these, these smaller companies won't be able to go up against, say, the, the bigger, the bigger um, big box type uh, rental companies, right? Because they just don't have the, the capacity to do so, but we're now, you know, utilizing us, you know, we sort of work with them to make the pricing fair and, you know, they can re-rent from us and then keep their, their customer base happy in their local and regional uh, areas. Mm. And so being in such a niche market is obviously a, an advantage because you're not up against every, every other competitor like Sizzlifts and a commodity basically, but then it also means that there's a lot more, I guess, design or engineering or um, maintenance and, and pre, pre-delivery work that is required before to get it on site? No, you know, you hit that on that. You hit that on the head because the, the technical aspect of pretty much anything we have requires a fair bit of knowledge, right? There's a, there's a lot of upfront questions and lots of um, application review um, situations that you're, you're more prone to just because you know what, it's got to be the correct thing, right? We always, you know, we don't, it's not always about just making money. It's about making sure that it's safe. Well, for, for you know, for starters and you know what, there may not be the best way to do it, right? Like sort of given the products and, and services we have, you know, you could, you could pull something with a winch, you could lift something with a winch, or maybe you know what, what, you know, I see a beam up there, you know, can we hook a hoist up to that instead? And you know what, now you're, you don't have to worry about running cables everywhere. And right. So you, you sort of approach each application different. Um, that's the, I guess the beauty part of working here as well, too, is that every day it's something new, but um, to sort of go back to what you said, the, the technical side, we've, you know, our, a lot of our employees um, have sort of, you know, I think I'm the poster boy for that whole hire within. Right. But, you know, we've had technicians that have, you know, worked in multiple areas that are now, you know, on the order desk. So you look up at the, the CSR roles, we've got, you know, an awesome team out there, like the nerve center is what I call it, right? Because they handle everything, like the equipment coming in, equipment going out. But when the phone rings and it's just a general, you know, rentals, you've got all that knowledge up there where they can lean on each other. You know, this, this, this guy might have come from hydraulics. This guy might've come from hoisting. You know, this guy might've come from the shipping receiving end. So you can, you know, they sort of, everybody works seamlessly together to make sure that at least the customer is given the right answer at the time. 
right? And again, confidence is everything, right? If you can, if you can answer all those questions that they have and make them feel that they've come to the right place, you're probably, you know, that's it's going to bode well in the end from you know getting a PO or acquiring the order. Mm. And so, is there much competition in this region, like with other like big some of the nationals? Um, I would say not. That there there is competition, right? Because again, like we have we have two branches where you know they may or may you know they're probably upwards of thirty to forty in some in some cases, right? Um, we we do work very well with them as well, so. As much as we see them as competition, uh, we don't we don't shy away of supporting them either, right? So it's it's a small it's a small world, right? Um, you know, it's a smaller industry in Canada, and then a smaller industry within that on the rental equipment side, right? So there's a, as you know, right? People are you know this you know this gentleman may have come from this company, and now he's working here. Or, you know this this lady was working over here, and now she's you know she's migrated over. To, to this company and but you know you're all you're basically doing is a switch and a business card but the the networking's still there and they know where to get the equipment right so um i i can't say that there's not you know any competition but i think for what we do i confidently say we probably have the you know the largest inventory of this product group and um so we almost we have some exclusives right in terms of the the manufacturers we work with um, mm-hmm. right. Cause we're master, distri- we're basically master distributors for every product we have. So that gives us a huge advantage because, you know, we're buying direct from set manufacturer at, you know, the most aggressive prices possible. And then that allows us to then transition that, that rental cost, you know, back at maybe a lower number than what they would anywhere else. Right. Because they're, you know, the multiple bumps and margins and all that type of thing. So it's, we're pretty fortunate to be sort of where we're at and you know if there's competition we we, we definitely embrace it um but you know we're also not going to sit back and just let you know let somebody come in without you know working hard to keep the business right sure and so there was two products when i went on your website that really jumped out at me that uh, that the first one's a bit more simpler and we'll talk about that first so the there was a balloon looked like a big water balloon for cranes yes. to like to test the load capacity was that what what it's yes. for yeah uh, essentially so, so yeah. yeah it's a water weight it's a water weight bag yeah i looked at it at first and i was trying to figure out what was going on in the picture <laughs> and then i added it to and to it i was like okay so maybe it's a load bag. so like how much is that load in that water bag so and if you're looking at the one on the website um you know i probably without actually seeing it i'm assuming that it's was there a crane, you know, if there was a crane in the, uh, in the picture, but there was, it yeah. was, yeah. So that one would have been a, if I believe it was a 250 ton water bags. Right. So they weren't necessarily full on like that specific, that was a 50 ton hoist. And we were doing a, you know, we were actually doing a proof load test for, um, a company out in Western Canada. They had uh, a critical turnaround and, the way, you know, the way the, the, that was a pneumatic hoist, you sort of got, you have a load, you have the crane hook and you've got the load cell, you've got the hoist, and then you've got the water bags. Um, they wanted to essentially make sure that when, if the air, for whatever reason, had cut off in the hoist, you know, we need to be able to get this load down. Um, you know, how long, how much is there, is there a drift? Like when you cut the air off, you know, how, how much time does it take for the hoist to actually stop until the air bleeds out so you know we had facilitated um 
that exact picture that you saw, right? With the, we have you know, rented a crane, simulated the load for them so they could get, um, again, just have that confidence because the, the turnaround was in a live uh, refinery um, from what I understand, which is not normal, right? They typically would shut it down. So then there's, you know, it's, it was something that just couldn't be done. It wasn't feasible. So they had to ensure that because it was a live refinery that, you know, there was limitations. They couldn't go so high. They had to make sure it would stop. They couldn't hit this pipe. They couldn't do this. So there was a lot of critical, um, critical works in behind, which goes back to what you said before, right? The technical side up front for us on that project was, um, was immense. I wasn't necessarily, I wasn't the gentleman that worked on it, right? It was my colleague, but I know for a fact he had been working on it for um, a good, a good month or two uh, before they sort of streamlined where they, what product they were going to get into for sure and how they were going to go about doing it. So um, yeah, that, that big red balloon you see there is the, the, the Canflex water bags and we're, we're, we're starting to rent those um, inland and, you know, they're, they're very, very big success for us out on uh, um, the East coast of Newfoundland for sure. Yeah, so I'm probably going to ask a dumb question here, but I'm going to ask it anyway. So that bag looked enormous and it's filled with water. So how do you get the water in and get the water out? Like, what's the process? Yeah, so you ba basically it's, um, thing, it's, it's plugged, right? So you have, you have a plug in the bottom. You have valves that you put, put on there and you, you can pump the water in um, through, the, through the top of the bag, right? And you just you fill it up. The, the, having that load cell um in place because you know sometimes if you're testing i say an overhead bridge crane right you're not going to have an onboard load monitoring system like a like a crane like a, an actual crane would right so having that load cell in place as the water bag is filling right you're you're seeing a live load indicated on your on your readout sort of saying okay yeah no we're we have to test this to 30 tons so you put 30 ton worth of water in there and then at the end you know you just pop the plug right and the, the water gravity pulls it out, right? It just, it's, uh, yeah, it, it is fairly simple. You no, know, it is sort of fairly simple in that approach. There's different, they have different models of the bags. Like they have lifeboat bags, which are smaller and there's closed top bags and things like that where you're, you know, it's, it's a different method of getting the water in. But in, you know, in the simplest terms, it's water in the top. And then when you're done, you pull the plug. All right, so the other product that caught my attention was the Hydra slide system. So can you talk a little bit about what that product is and what purpose it serves? Yeah, so the Hydra slide system is essentially a sliding system, hence it's in its name, but you can push and pull um, a load in various directions. Uh, you've got a, a set of skid shoes that sit on tracks and which can vary in length. The skids shoes are then powered by a set of double acting cylinders, uh, which are then in turn powered by a synchronous HPU or hydro pack as they call it. Um, if you're familiar with machinery moving at all, right? You, the traditional method would be to typically use a set of rollers or skates. And you know, if you have any deflection in the ground or deficiencies in the ground or any sort of grading issues, they're, there really isn't um, a good way to ensure that that load's going to stay on those rollers. Uh, you could have a roller move, which um, could essentially, you know, be risky and unsafe for the people around it moving it. Um, you know, it could wobble, things like that, where 
the hydroslide system in its design, it's designed to run parallel. So everything is squared up um, pre pre push or pre pull, and it just allows for more safe and accurate move of your load. Uh, but again, these are these systems range in um, very, like varying capacity. Sorry, from like a XLP one fifty uh, at this at this point all the way up to an HT one thousand. And those numbers are indicative of that tonnage. So an XLP 150 would be 150 ton uh, push pull and an HT 1000 is up to a thousand tons. So there's a pretty good range in there. They've got a, a bunch of accessories that you can get with turntables. Um, so you can launch over the turntable. So if you had to change direction during your move, you can do that. Uh, but yeah, it's a really cool product. It's made in Canada, which in the industrial marketplace it's sort of unheard of, right? To have um, an industrial product of that nature and the material handling side of things made and manufactured in Canada. And they're, they're actually fairly close to us. So it makes it easier to, to build and network and, and make sure that we're going to market correctly. And so what are some of the examples of things that you would move? Because like when you're talking about that sort of weight, like this is a very large item that you're sort of moving around as well. So is this transformers? Like what, what, what are some examples? Yeah, so you can you can use transformers as one, um, exchangers, boilers, chillers, bridges, uh, essentially any anything really if um, if it's feasible and makes the most sense, right? It definitely is. Like I say, being safe and accurate, it does allow for larger capacity um, moves to to take place easier than having to come up with some sort of, you know, they've already done the thinking, right? That the, the system's already been developed. So all you would have to do is just implement that product. And so if you could just understand like the scope of how those engagements work, is it typically there's a site that they're working on and they need to move something to the other site so they can further develop some product or whatever it might be? Like what's the typical reason for wanting to move such a large item? Let's say if it's a new bridge, you're going to maybe build it. You might want to set a set of tracks down, build the new bridge on that. So then when it's time to take the old bridge out, you can launch the new one in. And the turnaround time is a lot quicker. Uh, on a transformer side of things, it's, again, the transformer has extended its lifespan and they need to remove it. But you've seen a lot of the hydro stations and power stations it's not that easy just to get a transformer out. Uh, in some instances, you can't get cranes in there to pick them out because you've got live wires, high voltage. So it's again being close to the ground. You don't have you don't have anything overhead that's going to risk potentially arcing or you know creating a very very um, hazardous workplace. You basically build and crib around your transformer, jack it up, set it down on the skid shoes, and push and pull in any direction, pull it out and then put your new one on and push it right back over the slab or footings where it's gonna go, set it down and move on to the next one. All right, well, hopefully the listeners now understand how complex some of your rental items are, not just a normal out of the box rental company. So, so then let's start talking about your roles then. So you said you started sweeping the floor and washing the equipment down. So what was the evolution of your roles within um, uh, the company itself? Yeah, so it, 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 it sort of, like I say, once I sort of got that, uh, that first paycheck, it was sort of like, okay, well, maybe uh, I'll try this a little bit longer. And, you know, just given, I think when, there's, when there was opportunities, 
or um, openings, right? Or, or essentially even a fill-in, a temporary fill-in role, like where say like, no, there's somebody's on holidays, but we need somebody to go, you know, test these, right? They're, you know, you get some direction and then, you know, once you are comfortable, they leave you alone and you just sort of keep doing it. So um, as, as opportunities came up, you know, I think I went from, think of when, when I was doing the, from outside, say like the gopher and um, sweeping the floors, I ended up in small tools. So working on, you know, grinders, impact guns, um, you know, cleaning, cleaning airlines, just, you know, some of the, the, the smaller aspects of uh, our, our day-to-day operation. And then, you know, from there, you, I went over to you know, testing and repairing winches and tuggers, right? And again, then just sort of, just kept sort of migrating to the other facets of the, of the technical side. So like hoisting, you know, mag drills, hydraulics um, at the time, right? So it was, you know, it was, it was sort of, you know, a unique situation for me because I was able to sort of touch all those spots, which sometimes, you know, isn't really viable, right? It's, you know, we need, if, if you're looking at a job ad in the paper or something, it's, we need, you know, this position filled and that's what you're doing, right? So um, the team environment that we have and the culture that we have basically allowed me to sort of take advantage of those opportunities, right? Where they'd always come out and say, does anybody know do you do would you mind trying this do you is it something you'd want to do and I think I embraced those challenges when those opportunities came and um, you know at at some point there we are our customer service side of things and the order desk um, needed some you know needed some support and needed uh, needed a body uh, after you know a couple couple attempts at, at getting the right person and I, I sort of told him, I said, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll throw my hat in there if you guys are, if you guys are open to it. And it, it's sort of, a, again, it's one of the, the key components to how this, this company operates, right? Like it's, it's a very important role for the company, right? Because that person is handling inbound general rental calls. And again, shipping, receiving, getting the products in, receiving the products, sending them out. So there was a little bit of, you know, dialogue between, um, myself and Mike or Zell at the time to say, Hey, look, like if, if it's something you're looking to do, like, you know, we just, it's good. We're looking for somebody that's in for the long haul. Right. And, um, you know, at the time, right. By this time, it's probably, you know, three, four years into my just other roles at the company. So I wasn't necessarily going anywhere, you know, in my mind, right. There wasn't a thought process. So, you know, they, again, they gave me a chance there and the opportunity to do that. And, I excelled with that. And, you know, as we started to grow, then, you know, we, we brought other, other team members on board. So now there was a couple of us on the order desk and then, you know, we brought somebody else up and then I sort of slide slid into that sort of ops manager role um, or an order desk manager role. And again, we just sort of kept growing and scaling and growing and scaling, you know, people were okay, well, you know, we need a sales guy now we need this. And, and then eventually it just, you know, the opportunity came up to say, well, look at, you know, I was doing pretty well on, on the customer service side. I was doing pretty well knowing the customers, my experience with all the products in general, um, you know, gave me a pretty good advantage in terms of understanding what the products are, how, what we have, what we can offer. So that, you know, that when the sales position came up, I think for them, it was, it, you know, it was sort of a no brainer to say, well, look at like, 
you know, we've Luke's over there and we need a sales guy. Let's see if he'd be interested. And again, it was, yeah, let's, um, let's give it a go. And now it's, it's been, it's been a while. Right. And like I say, we're 19 years. It's, there's been a lot of, um, a lot of time in a lot of areas that has, has built the knowledge base uh, for me. And so what's your current role now? So current role now would be is senior sales and business development uh, for the company. And it, I think I've been coined the, like the brand ambassador, right? For the most part, just with my, you know, my, my LinkedIn presence and, and just sort of going to market with, you know, with our customer base and that type, type of thing. So, you know, I'll take it, I'll take it all day long. Um, but no, it's definitely, you know, it's, it's definitely been an interesting ride. Mm, well, I, how many people in the business can say they've worked there for coming up to 19 years, working in so many different departments, uh, obviously customer facing as well and understand the products and the complexities, like can communicate with customers, like working on the service side and then being able to communicate with customers. That's a, a lot of people struggle with that transition as well. So you've obviously ticked a few boxes there and it all comes back down to that guy that they employed to sweep the floor. So it's yeah, pretty impressive, yeah. Yeah, yeah no, absolutely, no, absolutely, absolutely. Wow, that's that's awesome. So, so I guess you you mentioned that they always said that there was a uh, an opportunity come up. So they were growing the business as a new role, and you obviously were transitioning to these different um, uh, roles. Now, something that a lot of people get into is they they get stuck, or they get stuck in a role, or they they become content. With what they're doing and that's okay some people want to do the same thing for, for 20 years that's other right. people don't know how to get out of a role so were, were you getting like uh were you taught about always pushing yourself and doing more was it a culture they bred in the organization like how did you sort of get the mindset to continually improve both yourself and like i guess your your path in your career um not a, yeah i think there's a there's a couple things there right because as, as much as the as much as if the culture is there, you still got to have that one and drive from the individuals within, right? That, you know, do they even want to do that? Like, like you said, are they, are they happy and content with what they're doing? And, you know, in, in some cases that was, that was almost to my benefit, right? Because then, you know, even though I may not have been first choice at the time, right? Um, I was pretty darn good second, apparently, right? But, uh, you know, it just, don't yeah no I think just expanding uh given that I started as you know sweeping the floors and, and doing some of that you know the grunt work um it really you know seeing the success come from from hard work and and trying something new and you know you're there's validation hey you're doing that well like the organization is recognizing you know what you're doing and you know let's maybe if Hey, I'll, I'll go try that. Right. And in my head, I'm thinking, well, look at like, I'm, again, you're building that, you know, that database and that knowledge base of everything you're doing. Um, and at the time, again, it's not, I think if you're, if you're in that rut, you're just make it known, you know, like if, if you're having reviews um, on your yearly reviews, just, you know, making it known that, Hey, look at like, I enjoy what I'm doing. I'm not knocking it at any means, but if, if you are looking for somebody to maybe try something new, or if you're, there's a new avenue of the business you're looking to go down, you know, just make that known to, um, you know, to your management team that, you, you know, you would be one of the candidates if that, if that possibility were to come up and, you know, you never know, right. At that point, 
there might be something that's un, you know, unknown to everybody in the company that, hey, they might be looking to go this direction, right? And now somebody's presented themselves within that, you know, they can trust, they're familiar with, they can, you know, they can sort of handhold and guide and work together on it, right, to maybe grow that avenue. So I think it would just be, you know, talk. Communication is everything, right? If you're not, if, you, if you're, no one can hear your thoughts. You know, you gotta, you gotta get those known to people. And if it's something you're really looking to do, uh, definitely, definitely bring it up with somebody. And so something that I've always thought about is saying yes to more opportunities. And, and I guess elaborate on that a little bit. So I guess some people, when they do their role and someone asks them to help out with something, their first mindset or their response is, that's not my job. That, that, that's, that's, uh, that's somebody else's job. I'm doing my job. And, and I, I feel like it's not explained enough that to get ahead in anything, it's, for me, it's all about saying yes and, and, and knowing that you're not going to like affect your current role too much, but you're going right. to learn about new things. So do you think just the mentality of, of saying yes to opportunity was it was a big factor as well i know absolutely for sure no for sure it is right like it's that that team player approach and um just i think the value it's it's a values thing too that's been instilled in yourself too whether it's in your upbringing or again the culture of the company is that look at it's all common goal we're all we're all here you know yes we you know you you're specifically sort of are geared to do this for you know a major portion of your day but Hey, look at, if we got to get this out, you know, grab a wrench, grab a hammer, you know, grab, grab a rag, right? Like wipe it down, right? Do those, do those little, do those little extra things that, um, again, it's not in your job description, but you know, there's, there's, I don't know. It, it's definitely an, an element of, I think just your, your work ethic as well, right? Probably plays a big part in that. But if you're saying yes, and being that team player and being positive in the environment, it only it's only gonna it's only gonna grow right like it's only gonna grow you as an individual and and give you those opportunities and those opportunities will probably present themselves to you mm. right and, and, I, and yeah and i was gonna say that for the people that are doing this that are getting frustrated that they feel like they're doing it and other people aren't management notice they they notice those people no absolutely they do yeah it's you can't like, I mean, you can't hide it, right? You can see it because when you're typically, if you're stuck in that rut, your work's going to suffer as well, right? It, it, and it'll show, right? And it's pretty easy, at, especially in our section of, uh, of business, you can tell when the work is suffering because, you know, say quality, you can start to see little things like, you know, I don't, this, you know, the quality on this one maybe wasn't as good or, or something like that. So, you know, you go to have a conversation, you know, they can, you know, get it off, get it off their chest. And again, communication is everything, right? If, if you're having it, like, again, you don't, you don't know, nobody knows what somebody's experiencing on a day-to-day, whether it's personal or work-related. So communication is everything, right? Don't assume somebody's, you know, somebody's acting a certain way for anything. Just, just talk it out and just try and stay as positive as possible. Yeah, for sure. And so transitioning from service. So that's, that's not something that is easy. I think, I think some people, uh, sometimes service, depending on the type of business you're in, in, in rental, it, 
moving into more of a customer facing role in sales can be quite challenging. And so did you find that there was, I guess you moved into customer service first. So what was your transition? Was it just a natural thing for you or did you, were there, was there others that sort of struggled at all in that transition? Like what, what advice would you have for somebody that is coming from that maintenance side of the business and then moving into more customer service or sales side? Right. So I think obviously knowing what, knowing what I know in my experience with that whole thing is that I would, I would definitely tell somebody yes. Right. Obviously every situation is different where, um, where I would say yes, is, you know, sort of in my circumstance, whereas if you're working within that company and, you know, it's going to make that transition a lot easier to go from customer service and the service end into sales. If you're staying within the same range and same field and, you know, of, of industry, right. Because you're, you know, to go from customer service in, you know, industrial equipment and then saying, Oh, I'm going to go take a sales role selling, you know, milk products. It's, you know, it's, 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 it's definitely going to not be as easy. Right. I think on knowing the products from the service end and how, like what the workflow process is of what and how the company, like what the nuances of the company are right. From how equipment's purchased, you know, purchased, received, shipped, that type of thing. You have a huge advantage over anybody that's saying just falling into that sales role from like, say an outside hire. Right. Because no, and I'm not saying that they couldn't do the job, but it's going to take them a little bit longer to figure those things out. Right. So, you know, for me going and transitioning into it, it was easier to, you know, give the, give the customers all the answers they wanted. Right. Like, you, Hey, what do, do you have anything like this? Okay. Well, you know, I, I know we've got this, this, um, I've got another idea on this one, you know, this one, you can get it in pneumatic electric or air and you sort of, and you know, they're, hold on, hold on, can you repeat that? Can you repeat that? And you're giving them all the information they need to go back to say their, their client, right. Or their customer and say, okay, well, no, they came back and yeah, they want, you know, two of these, they want them to be electric and yet yeah, can it, can it be here tomorrow? Right. So I would definitely say if, if it's something you're looking to do and maybe accelerate your career, right. And, and maybe try just try something different. Right. Um, I would say at least try it, right? Um, but obviously, to make sure you're doing the right thing for you and your family first, right? Don't just—it's—it's uh, it's not. I say maybe I'm a, I might be an anomaly, right? But at the same time, you know, if you don't try, you never know. Um, and I—that's all I can sort of say, I guess, about that. Mm. Yeah, I, I guess the 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 points that I've always had was someone that's coming from a service-based role is usually going to be pretty honest as well. And so right. they're going to tell the customer exactly what it can and can't do. And people don't realize that if you do that in sales, people love you. People, if, you, if you're factual about like the limitations and how it's going to solve their problem, rather than doing the fluffy stuff on the outside, like customers gravitate towards people that are very honest um, and are upfront and can deliver on what they say. And I think a lot of people in service understand the limitations of what the product can do. So in my mind, it's like someone in that service role might just need a push sometimes. Like let's say they're getting bored, that maybe their their body's getting a bit worn out from uh, the labor side of it potentially, and they want to get into the field sales potentially. And so they just need that push, but they then having that that knowledge 
I think, as you mentioned, is, 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 a, is a superpower <laughs> in a way. Oh, no, absolutely. Say. Yeah. No, you're, that, yeah, I, that's, that's the thing I can, all, I agree with you 100% on that. It's, it's such a, did, I don't think people look at it that way, right? I think they see, you know, that, it, oh, I'm going into sales, you know, I'm going to, you know, my weakness, I don't really have that strength, but, you know, your, your knowledge on the service end is like, that is, that's like a, like a goal, like, a, you know, a little black book with all the magic numbers in it, right? You've got, you've got all that information in the back of your head that you've just year for years or, you know, for any length of time, you've now it's instilled in you and you can just, you know, quickly make, make decisions and, and yeah, don't tell them the truth. If we can't, if we can't do it, we tell them, right. There's, there's no point in saying to our customers, yeah, we can do it. Yeah, we can do it. And, you know, over promise, right. And, and then fall short on it. So there's, yeah, you're, you're giving them direction and providing the solution, even if it is a no, right. Mm -hmm. Because at least they can move on and try and, you know, facilitate that elsewhere. Yeah. So, so because your products are usually pretty complex and uh, just the products are quite amazing in terms of what they can do. So what's the most memorable project that you've worked on so far? So, so um, there's, again, yeah, there's, a, there's been a lot. There's been a lot uh, just trying to think. Think recently we worked with um, uh, a company on the East Coast of Canada um, in the Maritimes and they had a sort of remote access, limited access, um, bridge removal that they needed to do. So they, you know, they needed to come up with, uh, they came up with a unique design where they used uh, like a lifting frame that they attached with counterweights to an SPMT and they needed to utilize our, our pneumatic hoist, right? And they were positioned on that lifting frame and it just sort of, you know, tucked out there, pulled it up and, and it worked seamlessly and flawlessly. And it was a pretty cool, like very in, very say like uh i want to say creative design or it um the ingenuity was amazing on that project so it was very very cool to then you know be a part of that and be a part of those things right but you know any what's i mean what i always think of it this way too i tell myself what might seem like a small project to me might actually be big for the customer at the moment right that i'm working with right so you know giving them that um that confidence when they make the call to us and or to myself and get allowing them to, you know, wrap their head around it and know that they've got direction moving forward. Right. You've, you know, you've made a memorable experience for them and, you know, they're, they're going to come back um, almost every time. Right. Even if the answer was no, you've um, you, again, you've solved their, their problem in that moment. Right. So there's, We've got so many projects that are working around here in terms of being memorable or unique, right? Um, some of them we can talk about, some of them we can't talk about. Uh, but I, I would think like to sort of, yeah, I guess, go back to what you were saying there, that that job there would be in recent um, history. And we've got one with your Hydroslide. Um, again, there's that Hydroslide product coming up. That's a fairly, very unique application out uh, in Quebec. And that is going to be, it's going to be a sight to see if we can get pictures and footage of that. So I, I'm not too sure, actually, I don't know if I can speak of sort of the ins and outs of what that project is, um, given its, um, you know, uniqueness. So, um, but again, check out, uh, stay in touch on my LinkedIn thing, because I'll be posting it if I can. 
Yeah, for sure. Now I'll, I'll look it up and we'll definitely share it on our, on our LinkedIn page as well and, and, and give the viewers, listeners some, something to look at as well. Because yeah, no, if you get a chance, I'll say it again, if you get a chance, go on their website, uh, have a look at Equipment Corp. It, on, it's equipmentcorps.com. Yes. Uh, and have a look at it because some of the stuff is, is is quite amazing. So that's pretty cool. And then, yeah, the way I think of it is like, I guess the customer's looking at a problem and they're like, oh my God, how are we going to solve this? And they're calling you because you're the experts in solving these problems. And as you said, what you think might be just an easy job for the, for the customer is this super complex problem and you turn up and just make it look easy potentially. So yeah, no, it's uh, again, it's making memories all the way around, right? and uh, just net networking with your peers and your colleagues in the industry, right? So, so, so over, over the last 18, 19 years, who do you think played a big influence on you from a mentor perspective? Well, I think not for, for sure it would be, you know, Tim, like Tim Bedard, our owner, and, and Mike Orzel, our VP, right? Um, again, Mike and I sort of came in at the same time um, give or take a, a couple months, right? And um, and Tim's, you know, Tim's a heck of a man, and you know he's given, you know, the responsibilities and accountabilities that he's just allowed me to have and to do my job well, right? Is sort of directly associated with all the with the trust that we've established, right, in each other over the years, right? And and that trust, you know, the trust was earned, right? It wasn't necessarily given to the full extent that it is now. Right. But I can, you know, I can confidently say that we've we've developed a strong trust and bond right over the last 18, 18 years. And our goals are like minded and the determination to make, you know, Equipment Core sustainable and, you know, grow for the future is it's inbred in the culture. Right. Um, at, you know, at one point uh, I can that I can remember I was down actually um, I was out of town with with Tim on a, on a little business trip. And this is probably, I don't know, probably six, six, seven years ago now, if I you know if to be somewhat accurate. And, um, you know, so I'm, you know, 28, 29 at the time. And, you know, again, you're sort of initially in when I've transitioned into the sales role and in finding, again, success in it and, and just sort of doing it well. So, you know, Tim sort of came with me on, on a little trip there and we were, we were grabbing a bite for dinner Um and he just, no, we're just sort of carrying on and, and conversing. And he just sort of says, you know, he goes, uh, he goes, you know, Luke, you, you remind me a lot of myself when I was your age, right? And it just, you know, I was like, holy smokes, right? Like this is, this is a guy that, you know, I, I want to be, you know, I'd love to be this man one day and sort of have, you know, built this amazing, this amazing company, this amazing culture, you know, giving back to the employees and like that, it, it was just like, wow, like it, it resonated with me on like, just on a whole nother level, right? Like how many times like, do you hear your mentor, like tell you that you remind me of me, right? So it wasn't initially, right? That he said it, it wasn't like he said it when I was 18, but to get that, you know, said to, to myself or said that, get that said to you, it, it definitely, definitely makes you sort of, take a, a step back and just sort of take it in right because it, it was a pretty um pretty nice compliment and and sort of show again that 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 validation that even though you know you don't you don't go to work to, to hopefully get a pat on the back every day 
You know what I mean? Like you, you go to work to do your job and do it well and then go home and then come back and do it all over again. But to get that, that, you know, that, that, that'll, I'll never forget that. I'll never forget that moment. I could, I could probably tell you what I was wearing and, or what he was wearing. Right. And I know, I know the restaurant and I know the city and all that stuff. So it, um, those, those two guys, you know, between Tim Bedard, you know, and, and, and Mike Orzel, they've, they've definitely given me the tools and the direction that I've needed to succeed here. And, um, and again, it's not, it's not without bumps and hiccups, but at the same time, right. You're, it's a, it's a business. So there, there's always going to be um, issues along the way, but you know, we were able to, were able to resolve them in a, in a manner that works for everybody. So yeah, it's those, those two guys would definitely be the, the mentors in my life here at Equipment Corps. There's probably a lesson in that, that managers or leaders need to remember the power of feedback and positive feedback and how something as small, I remember I had someone on the podcast a while ago and they said that something that they love about their CEO is that they'll call them on a Friday afternoon after a long week and they might be on the road or something and they'll call just to say thank you just to thank them for the week. And just sometimes like an employee doesn't need to hear, hey, you remind me of you. That's a very big statement. But sometimes getting feedback from someone that they look up to in a positive mindset can make that person feel so good and want to work even harder for that company. And so I think a lot of leaders sometimes need to remember that just taking that five minutes might add an extra five years to that person's time at the company yeah no I, I i i definitely agree with that that's it's nice to yeah it's nice to pass along compliments to, to everyone right and that's i mean that's not just in management i think you know what if you're you know say thank you say you know say hello be again be be friendly and courteous to your to your colleagues and make make the culture positive right that positive culture will make make people work harder and do things for the company um, that typically that they wouldn't do, right? Because they want to go that extra mile because you know what it makes, you know, his life and her life a little bit easier because now I'm helping. And yeah, you know what? It's, oh, wow. That's, that's great. You know what? I wasn't expecting them to, to sort of see that what I did was, um, you know, again, everybody likes, likes to be uh, validated every now and again. And especially, you know, after this year, right? It's been a tough year for a lot of people, but um, yeah, you no. Know, when you get those compliments and things from management, and it's passed down, it it definitely gives that nice, uh, you know, gives you another drink of Kool Aid, let's say, right? Where you're then, um, you know, full of full of energy and ready to go, right? So it's yeah, you you definitely uh, agree with that what you said there. And so, if you could give some advice to your younger self. What would you say then? Um, not yeah, not be be open minded, right? Um, my, obviously, my younger self, right, was a little bit closed minded until I sort of got to, to this place, right, and it, it just sort of the real world sort of sunk in, right. So you know, be open minded. Uh, don't be afraid to try and learn new things, right? Um, live outside of your comfort zone a bit, and you know, listen listen to others. Continue to work hard. And just be prepared for sacrifice, right? You know what? In in the end, right? And the it'll all play out, and the hard work will pay off. It, it's hard for someone that's still quite young 
to learn that and you only learn that through lessons whether the lessons be uh grief or a workplace or an experience or a friendship or a mentor whatever it might be sometimes people just need to go through experiences before they can get that maturity no it's uh again they, so the, the experiences that i've that have happened here have definitely guided me on and sort of with with those comments and that's just you know hopefully i can instill these values into you know into my kids right um as they as they get older right and hopefully um see them sort of do maybe not something the same but again just have that that willingness and, and openness to work and have that um that good work ethic wherever they you know whatever they choose to do in life and just you know work hard at it and do the best that you can do every day right mm. yeah i'd like to ask everyone everyone this question so how do you define success so, that's um you know, I made, made me think when I was, um, when you sent me sort of this agenda, right, in terms of uh, on this question, I'm just trying to figure out how to answer it for you was, you know, I put a lot of, a lot of thought into it, because it, you know, how do you measure success? Is it through wealth? Like, I think that a lot of people say, oh, they're, that guy, you know, he or she's successful, because look at all the money they have, right? But, um, you know, I could win the lottery today, and have lots of money, but it doesn't mean I'm successful, right? Um, lucky, but not, um, but not successful. Right. So, um, I think, you know, with, for, to define success would be to be, you know, self-empowering, like, I guess, self-empowering, um, prideful and, you know, having responsibility and accountability for your actions, whatever the outcome, right. Good or bad. And, just knowing that at the end of the day, you're happy, you're happy in your own skin. You're happy with who you are. Um, and you're happy with what you've achieved, right. in in your life up to this point and in, in future endeavors. Yeah. And, and look, unfortunately for some people that can take them years to get comfortable in, in who they are and, and truly be happy and, and so I think your definition of success is, is, is a great one. And I think if you define success via money or objects, it's quite easy to realize that when you get there, you think you're successful, but you're really not very happy. And then that just right. leads you down a different path. Yeah, 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 no, absolutely. So it was, it was a tough, I tell you, it was, it was a tough one because I, I don't, I guess for me, I don't see success as being wealthy right? I don't, money isn't everything. Um, you know, I've got a beautiful wife. I've got five beautiful kids. Uh, the family aspect for me is huge and for our family. So, you know, being able to thrive here and with my work family and then go home and thrive with, uh, you know, my family family. Um, it's very, yeah, it's not, it's, it's humbling, right? It's um, just, yeah, that I think ha happiness is, is the key. Happiness is the key regardless of where you end up. And when you get there, make sure you give back. Mm, well, that's for sure. All right, Luke. Well, I really want to thank you for coming on the Rental Journal podcast. No, thanks for having me, Mark. And um, it'll be a pleasure uh, to work with you in the future for sure. This podcast episode was proudly supported by our premier partner, Ken Artire.